Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome back to Why Would You Tell Me That? Thank you to everybody for listening and thanks to you if you're new and you've just arrived and sorry for saying welcome back. You're welcome the first time to listen to the amazing podcast that Neil and I have created. He is at Neil Delamere Comedy on Instagram. I'm at Dave Today FM. Our show is at Why Would You Tell Me That? And we would love if you would give us a follow and then you can use that to ask us any questions, suggest any topics. In fact, Neil says that's what happened for this episode. That is exactly what happened for this episode. We should say that we are proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network, but we're also part of a greater creator network because our listeners basically have been getting involved. And somebody who I will introduce in the second half okay. said, said um, uh, would you like to know about throwing turf at a corpse? <laughs> I mean, if you know Neil and I at all, that's a pretty <laughs> tempting sentence. I mean, that's what's the culture equivalent of you had me at hello? But... <laughs> That is basically what we're going to talk about in part two. I told you last week, I'm going to tell you about throwing turf at a corpse. Um, You know those kind of ninja throwing stars from a martial arts Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Think less Bruce Lee and more Shane Lowry. That's (laughs) right. Throwing fossil fuels. You mean Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he's pronounced in ninja circles. Like... like, Oh, I thought you were going for Mike Lowry. No, 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 from no. Bad Boys, but I now, do. Oh, I love that. Uh, Shane I, Lowry. Lowry. <laughs> Imagine if he sings a putt and then he just kind of does the whole Kempo bow after. <laughs> I would be there for that. So I think you probably know that it's it's roughly in the area of funerals. Well, you said the word corpse, so I'm assuming it has something to do with that part of life. Yes, it is. So it's it's going to be all death for part one too, right? So... Let's kick it off with my first fact. I will admit this is stolen from an episode of the Unbelievable Truth uh, show that I did a couple of weeks ago. Amazing, right? Um, you know the show, David Mitchell's on it. And yeah. uh, it's on Radio 4. You do a lecture with five real facts and um, uh, they're hidden amongst this kind of lecture among the lies and the other panelists have to guess the truth. Um, first one, out the gate. You like this. In Chios, in Greece, in ancient Greece, it was obligatory right. for people over the age of 60 to commit suicide. Obligatory. Obligatory. I mean, it is the best exotic Marigold Hotel sequel that we all want to see. (laughs) Where is Judy Dench and why is there a car running in that garage? (laughs) So hang on a second. You, so you just you weren't allowed to live beyond 60. What what was the logic? Well, Greeks were intelligent people. They were intelligent people. Um, it there are a few variations of this myth of the uh, not this myth story, I should say. 
Uh, it may have begun when the Athenians laid siege to the island and okay. then they wanted, the lads were like, we're going to have to preserve our supplies, our food supplies. And they voted for all people over the age of 60 to commit suicide by drinking hemlock. Hemlock, is that, is that the new hipster brewery's latest release that I don't know about? <laughs> yeah, it's an Indian pale ale. That's yeah, what it that's is. What it like, oh, yeah. It's got fruity overtones of poison and death. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know what the grey vote is really strong? People always go, oh, pensioners always come out to oppose things or propose things. Yeah. And you go, oh, where did that come from? I think we know where that came from. <laughs> it came from, uh, enough of the lads didn't vote for this particular thing. Like, that's what I can't imagine. Is like, is, this is just like, is, it, is there democracy? Is there Are they going like, Okay, that's what do we all think of this? You know, we need to survive and there is a vote. Or is it just somebody goes, decree, make it happen? Well, you'd imagine that there'd be some kind of back and forth on the, the time and, and the birthday, wouldn't you? Like if you were, there's there's no way that you're not going to lie about your age. There's no way, there's, isn't going to be somebody going, speaking speaking as a 55-year-old, I think the over 60 should go. And you're like, Derek, you're 66. I am not. <laughs> we were at your 60th. We played bowling. We went to the ice rink. We gave you the bumps. You showed you, me your bus pass. <laughs> You know, every now and again, you see a kid who's yeah. like 10 and you yeah. look at him and you go, look at the 54 year old head in that fella. Like, yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. be worried about teenagers going around who just kind of going, he looks, he looks like he's over 60. Fabinho. Yeah, there you, from Liverpool there you go. Liverpool would be executed immediately, wouldn't he? Or you have to drink his own hemlock. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm 31 years of age. I, I was listening to something recently and apparently you shouldn't say uh, commit suicide because it's not a crime anymore. There you go. Um, oh. Can I can I tell you my favorite silly fact from that episode? Wow, we're getting that that, that wasn't <laughs> silly enough. But yes, no, go for it. No, no, it was about the Greeks, and it was uh, in ancient Greece. Poorer people would carry coins around in their mouths as they had no pockets in their clothes. Not that unusual. My friend Jenny frequently has coppers in her mouth, but that's mainly to get off speeding fines. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, I can't <laughs> swear that that will go out on Radio 4. No, but, but it'll go out in this podcast. I, I would be oh, very hopeful. Beautiful. Okay, let's let's move to funerals themselves. Um, have, have I told you, this my long-held theory that older Irish people in particular, mm. for, for our international listeners, are funeral ninjas. Anybody over 70 oh. in Ireland, funeral ninjas. Define what you mean by this. Well, they just know the ins, the outs. I'll give you an example. I was at, uh, I was at a funeral with my dad. I've been at a couple of funerals with my dad. And one time uh, I went in with him and he, this is years ago. He was about 70 at the time. Mm. This, that's where the funeral knowledge kicks in, I think. Right, yeah. Uh, and he, we sat up right behind the people who were the family. Oh, who were right. Grieving, right? And were, were you close? Were you, no, I mean, no. I mean, physically you were, but were you metaphorically close to these people? No, no. I mean, it was as close as he had judged it to not be creating a scandal in the middle gotcha, of the town. Gotcha, right? yeah, yeah. So we were just right on the edge of being, it, 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 it's, it not being right. You're, you're in the situation where when you turn and walk out of the church, you'll be this, a step behind the family that people know so that the people who know them less well will assume that you're part of the extended yes. family. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, gotcha. But, but I was like, why are we sitting up at the front? I don't want to sit up at the front. And he was like, watch and learn, grasshopper. And when at the end of it, the funeral, uh, the, the, they say, listen, the mass is no end of going peace. And you go to the, the graveyard. Everybody goes up and shakes the hand of the people in the front row. Right? The family. So basically, the priest hadn't even said the end of the blessing with I was out with the pew like a shot. No cue. <laughs> he was up. He was double handshaking with two hands all along the line. And we were in the car on the way home behind nobody. And 
I do have a pet hate about funerals, and that uh, is yes. Is it the person that has died? Is a friend of yours? Like that's my <laughs> pet hate about funerals. They're okay. very sad. Okay, they are very sad. I think funerals should be more fun. Um, <laughs> the emphasis should be on the first syllable. I think that <laughs> okay, not the obvious one. It's when a priest who doesn't know the person who has died gives the speech about the person. Oh and it, yes, uh, that wrecks my head because it doesn't matter how interesting a life they've had. It's always that we are here. To mark the passing of Ray Devlin What can anybody say about Ray Well he had a big heart He had a huge heart Enlarged is what it said on the coroner's report Of course Do you know this? And they've had this amazing life And they're just glossing over these details yeah. of course. Hit by a combine harvester Very sad of course A combine harvester We all know he wanted to donate his organs To science just not in the form Of a smoothie Anyway you know what I mean? You're just like tell me more about that Stuff. His heart beat almost imperceptibly towards the end. It was almost undetectable. And with that in mind, the hospital has asked me to apologise to everybody who was at Ray's first funeral here last week. <laughs> that could not be helped. Her altar boy hadn't heard the scratching from inside the coffin. Who knows what could have happened? <laughs> We'd like to say hello to the altar boy who's currently recovering a Ballinus Law Psychiatric Hospital. <laughs> you know, and you're going, Ray, Ray Devlin has, has a, literally the most interesting life of anyone I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, but that's the point. You're like, tell me the details. Yeah, Get yeah, his brother yeah, yeah. up there or the fellow who made the coffin at the very least. Okay, so that's my little gripe about Right, about I got you. I got, I got you. Have you heard of taphophobia? Taphophobia? Mm, no. Do you remember we heard about John Dunn's Scotus in the Susie Dent episode? Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. He, what was he doing again? He gave us the word Dunce. So he was this great intellectual Dunce, of the Middle yes. Ages. And his reputation was trashed by people who disagreed with him after his death. And then... They used his name as as that. So you were a dun- you were a dunce, dunce disciple, basically. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you were a dunce. So yeah. uh, taphophobia is the fear of being buried alive. A solid fear, I'd say, among most people. I would have suggested so, and it's probably apocryphal. But when his tomb was opened, the body of the famous philosopher John Duns Scotus of the High Middle Ages um, was apparently found outside his coffin. And, and his no. hands were torn up in a way no, that suggests no, 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 he had no. tried to get out of the coffin. Oh, God. That I mean, <laughs> that is the worst. Yeah. Like, I mean, there are so many movies made about it. There are so many YouTube dare videos. David Blaine, you know, doing effectively a magic trick. It's not, though. It's just a feat of human endurance. But being buried alive is just... There's, it is genuinely so base, isn't it? It's just such a part of us. You're in your lizard brain. I, yes. I was reading about this thing. Um, when people want to be buried with their mobile phones, possibly for that reason. But I think I would take the same card out of my phone and I'd give it to my brother before I died. What? And then I'd make sure everybody saw the phone being buried with me. And then a couple of weeks after I died, I'd just get him to ring my enemies. <laughs> Because then my no, number would come up. Or just or just WhatsApp them. Just so. WhatsApp them. Like, Hello? <laughs> I did I did see a video, I'm sure everyone has seen it, of a guy who recorded a, a kind of a an audio message to the funeral goers at his funeral. And what they did was as they were lowering him down into lowering the coffin down into the grave, yeah. It, the, the audio was like, no, no, stop. Don't put me down. I'm still in. I'm alive. I'm alive. And it was like, obviously they were all cracking up. They knew he was a messer, but like, it's just so 
hilariously macabre to behave like that at your own funeral. If I knew I was about to go, I think I would rig it so I would I would have sex with somebody who was dressed up as an angel and I would photograph it. And then a couple of weeks afterwards, I'd send it to everybody from that sim. God, heaven is fucking awesome. <laughs> You've thought far too much about this. I'm terrified. I do, I do feel like I wish I could have that thing, that cliche thing, a stereotype of having my funeral. But, oh, yeah. But, but being either at it or watching it. Like, I don't want anyone to be upset, but I do want people to celebrate me. You know what I mean? Okay. I think like, you know, I think people take me for granted a lot. I'm I'm a I'm a hugely enriching human and I think I should be celebrated more. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. I, I still want to live. I don't okay. want I don't want to only happen after I after I perish. But I think like Neil, you should probably organize maybe the next the next live, you know, episode should possibly be just a tribute to me and and I can listen back to it. Yeah, I mean uh, I am very much a method sort of actor and a method director, so I would have to kill you, Fair. or or at the very least do a Dave, uh, kill somebody who's Dave Moore, somebody called Dave Moore, like, <laughs> right. like a Dave Gorman thing, remember that show? Yes, yes, yes. I think your funeral would be, you'd be buried in a shoebox, a sneaker right. box. yeah. Do you think I could ask Stafford Funeral Homes, if you're from Ireland, you'll know them, do you think I could ask them to decorate a coffin in the style of a Nike Air Jordan box. I think that would be distasteful, or would they oh, do I think that? I think that would be massively distasteful, but that hasn't stopped you in life. So <laughs> I think that's very much in keeping with your death. Fair. I, do, I do wonder, like, the fellow who, ad- who invented the adapter, mm-hmm. right? Do you think he was put immediately... Like, if I was his relatives, I would make sure the coffin didn't fit the hole. I would make sure that his coffin <laughs> fitted another coffin that fitted the hole. I think that would be really funny. <laughs> You could have the crack with people. My brother swears that when he was an altar boy, uh, he knew another fella uh, who was an altar boy and he fell into a grave Jordan serving a mass. Oh, God. I mean, that is that is the stuff of nightmares, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, well, I, no, I suppose at least, at least if you were to fall in mm. at, and there were people there. Yeah. You know, as in there was a service going on, you would be swiftly hauled back out again. I think the fear is, and they do it in horror movies or whatever, is the dark, wet, slushy, you didn't see it, and you slip in. And then the first thing is you realize you're down, you fall into a grave, terrifying. And then, of course, you turn around and there's a skeleton staring straight into your face. Like, they are the things that keep me awake. Well, they're the things that have kept many people awake. Hans Christian Andersen the famous uh, writer of children's uh, fairy tales, was afraid of being buried alive. So next to his bed... He had a note that that said, I only appear to be dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you've ever been to his house, I think it's in Odense in Denmark. He, right. he was about six foot five or six. Oh, was uh, he? Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. But because people have always been fearful of this, I went looking and there's this great article about basically people have, have created coffin warning systems and they've gotten patents for these things. Right. Like what? Okay. Patent number 81437 was granted to Franz Vester. In 1868, for right. an improved burial case, the tomb is equipped with a number of features, including an air inlet, a ladder, and a oh, bell. Oh, a bell! A bell is key. Yeah. So if you wake up, you could even you could save yourself. And if too weak to ascend by the ladder, he can ring the bell, giving the desired alarm for help. I mean, it's not a sound you want to hear. 
if you're in the living realm, is it? Oh, oh it gets better than this. Oh god, go right. on. This is this is this, I've 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 a, I've a preferred option. Go on. Uh, this is granted in 1885, so it's a couple of years after that. He's getting a little bit better, right? It's to Charles Zeiler and Frederick Borntrager, you know the mm-hmm. lads, for a burial casket. Motion of the body triggers a clockwork-driven fan. So basically, you're not just going to get like. Yeah, you're not going to get a passive air pipe. This is fresh, breathable air into the coffin. Because the last thing you want is to be stuck in a coffin and it to be slightly stale. You need, you need, you need fresh air. Oh, it's a bit stuffy in here. I don't <laughs> mind it. I don't mind that I'm buried in ground, covered in earth, in a box. But it's a bit stuffy. It's some fresh air. It's interesting that you're going to come back as somebody from Coronation Street and our Emmerdale, which is interesting. Why did you go with that? I don't know. Sometimes these things just happen. You have to just embrace it. <laughs> I'm going to experiment with different oxygen levels to see what level of... Maybe as we get closer oh, to what northern... regionality? Yeah, yeah. I mean, somewhere between uh, 50, 50% of what you need, we probably get the Isle of Man. I'm just thinking... On a line between here and, and oh, Yorkshire. 42% I'd be in Wales. <laughs> so this this is this is get, it gets weirder, right? Okay. So you have your, your air pump, essentially. Um, and according to the, the patent or the patent, when the hand is moved, the exposed part of the wire will come into contact with the body, completing the circuit between the alarm and the ground. Uh, to the body in the coffin so the alarm sounds right right so you're sucking in air alarm is sounding and this is the weirdest bit there's also a spring loaded t- rod which rises up i mean this is zombie territory this is the most terrifying jack-in-the-box that has ever been invented in the history of man <laughs> you're walking through a graveyard and then suddenly an alarm goes off you hear someone going <gasps> and then a jack <laughs> flies out of the air and it says, which will raise up carrying feathers or other signals. You know what's going to happen? What? Not only is somebody going to hear those noises and mm. witness this rod yeah. shooting out of the grave, it's going to shoot out into someone's head and kill them in the process. <laughs> so you've, you've weaponized the grave. You'd have to have two graves. You'd have to have a grave beside your own grave so that the person you kill yeah. with your escape pod <laughs> coffin. But flowers are oh, feathers. feathers. Like, it's like come a, on. Imagine if you died of bird flu. <laughs> that would be absolutely <laughs> mortifying. Hey, we all we all might, Neil. We all might. <laughs> Depending on when you're listening to this, cough, cough. <laughs> it gets better. So the alarm's gone off. Right. right. The alarm's gone off. You hear some heavy breathing from the coffin. There's feathers in the air. Yeah. Uh, you've narrowly avoided a projectile. <laughs> Taking your eye out. Yeah. Mary Shelley is having sex in a grave over there because apparently she liked to do that sort of stuff. Right. But you need to check on the body. And I just think this is such a weird visual. Additionally, a tube, E, E is on the diagram. They okay. literally have put the, these diagrams in. It's positioned over the face of the buried body so that a lamp may be introduced down the tube and a person looking down through the tube can see the face of the body in the coffin. That is the most terrifying telescope that has ever been invented. You're staring down into the coffin at the face of somebody who has been long deprived of fresh air, finally granted some fan fresh air. Yeah. Their hand has moved sufficiently to ring a bell and shoot a rod up through the earth. And then you're supposed to just stare down 
a long tube into their face. Yeah. This is so terrifying. After shining a light down there. I mean, I wonder what the facial expression you would get from someone who was looking back at you. Uh, any, any, any chance of an owl dig out? I don't, I don't mean that in the uh, politics sense in Ireland. I have one last weird thing around death. Uh, Go on. We, we might do a full app on this. It's really strange. Okay. okay. So I was looking what the weirdest thing that's been left in a will was. Ooh. And I think I found it. I think this is so messed up. In 1926, there's a lawyer in um, Canada called Charles Vance Miller. And he dies, right? right? And he leaves most of his estate, which is $9 million today in Canadian money, to the woman who had the most children over the next 10 years. Whoa, thereby creating a competition? A competition. Like, you hear this and you go, oh, that's pretty funny. I have an image of somebody going, your poor missus has just had a baby. And you're like, yeah, but we're still we're still on, we're on a schedule here. We could win this money. <laughs> but it gets really grim really quickly. Now, this guy right, is, a, is, a, is a prankster. Some of the stuff he did is quite funny. He, he left brewery stock to prohibitionist pastors, which is kind of funny. Right? Yeah, that is funny. He left racing stock to people who didn't believe in gambling and racing and all this right, stuff. Right, right, right. So he dies anyway. And he is just capricious. He even says this in the will. A uh, few, few years, nothing happens after he dies. About six years after it, the uh, attorney general goes, no, this, he tries to get the will thrown out, essentially. You know, the Barbara Streisand effect. It's what you don't want because then it draws attention to it and people know about it then at this point. The papers pick it up and the papers, because it's six years into this 10-year term, and the papers realise that the only women who are in with a shout here are basically people who have had a, a kid yeah. Every year for the last six years. And if you've had six children in six years, particularly in the nineteen late 1920s, early 1930s in Toronto, uh, there's a lot of deprivation there. You're probably in really straitened circumstances. So it ends with very deprived uh, women from deprived areas um, competing with each other, you know. To have and, and the more babies. Yeah. And then it goes, and then it gets just really dark because it goes to a court case and the judge essentially starts ruling out a lot of women who seem to be the wrong type of women. Immigrants, immigrant Catholics, not the good upstanding waspish ladies that they necessarily want to win. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think it is classified as the weirdest thing or one of the weirdest conditions that anybody has ever put on a will. I'm, I'm glad it's not allowed or I hope it isn't allowed. I suppose, how could you control it? What are you going to leave me? Well, I was going to leave you a load of my sneakers, but apparently you're offended by the decisions I've made throughout my life. So, um, I'll, do you know what I'll leave you? Yeah. I'll leave my 1999 yeah. Champions League winning Manchester United shirt. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying what you need to do with it. I'm just saying that's what I'm going to leave you. I think there, I didn't know what I was going to do at the end of your funeral, but yeah. I think a, a pyre. I definitely think a pyre, and nothing burns like acrylic. I think that's probably what. Okay, okay. I'd have to see what what would I leave you? What would you leave me? Come on, yeah. Do you think? Well, you're going to die before me. Now, first of all, that's patently untrue. I'm already older than you by a considerable margin. Yeah. And I'm in way better shape for a man of my <laughs> Way you're in, better. You're in a shape. Yeah. Uh, round, <laughs> round is a shape. <laughs> I'm in a shape as well that I wouldn't like to reveal to anybody at the moment. Okay, so let's say let's say I'm already gone. Okay. So would you leave anything to my estate, to my 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 family? They're really nice people. Mm. 
Yeah, and, I don't know why um, Whitley were there. Um, yeah, probably. But hmm, if I predecease you, what would I leave you? Um, edits of the podcast. Edits of the podcast. <laughs> 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 I'll have a think about that. Do do. I yeah, will have a think yeah. about. It. Meanwhile, I will leave you for this episode with knowledge, and we will chat in part two to Margaret Bonas Madden, who's doing a PhD, and she will explain to us why you might throw turf at a corpse. Cannot wait. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to part two of Why Would You Tell Me That? We're joined now by Margaret Bonas Madden. She's a PhD scholar in Irish funerals in contemporary fiction, and she's looking at grief, tradition, and ritual in the liminal space. Wow. Now, yeah, doesn't it sound great, Dave? What an amazing thing to do a PhD in. Thanks for joining us, Margaret. Oh, you, thanks for having me. So in part one, I said to Dave, basically, I would explain why we might throw turf at a corpse. Now, he thought it was based on my Midlands upbringing. <laughs> There's some sort of board pneumonia initiation ceremony. But Dave, it's about 
Irish funerals and specifically Irish wakes. Okay. I've gathered at this point. Uh, Margaret, we, we can't talk about all of Irish history. So let's kind of confine ourselves to about, say, I'm picking 1500 onwards, right? Okay. Is it is it fair enough to say that there's a shortage of sources of what the peasants, the peasantry was was up to until we started getting, you know, accounts of outsiders, be they the Catholic clergy or Anglo-Irish writers? Yeah, it's really difficult. Well, there are mentions of funerary traditions right back to the written word. So we obviously we're not going to go back that far. But when you start looking at it around the 16th century, maybe you can see the shift where it's um, moving into the Christianity has kind of taken over the pagan rituals while still blended or still hanging around. Um, but you have some things that just still to this day come into the Irish funeral. And it's pretty fascinating stuff. The, from, but the written from back accounts, in, in the 16th century, we're still doing things today. There's a couple of things that still occur. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, ha- they disappeared for a while and seem to be coming back. So what sort of games are we talking about? Let's say we're talking about, let's say, Dave, say mid 19th century. Some of this stuff is absolutely bonkers and seems more <laughs> pagan than Christian. And I love what our ancestors did. So what sort of games are we talking about? Well, we have a lot of games of strength. OK, so we have uh, lifting the corpse. And that's where you had four men. You have to remember now that the body was uncovered. It was on either a table or in a makeshift coffin until it was ready to be to be to be removed from the house. Okay. So they're lifting the corpse. They're not lifting the actual corpse. They send one fellow to lie down on the ground, usually a good big burly fellow, and they have four men using only their thumbs have to try and lift the body. <laughs> so if you've if you've got like an Anglo-Saxon view of this, we're talking about this isn't a funeral in a funeral home. This isn't in any sort of undertakers. Irish wakes are in someone's house. This is the deceased person. So the body could well be in the corner and then the lads are in the same room with another corpse giving it the thumbs up. Absolutely. Yeah, why not? You know. <laughs> were, were four men with thumbs able to lift another man? It wasn't very successful, no, no, no. But I mean, it was just part of the the entertainment. The whole point of awake and why it's called awake, it was to keep people awake. And these were events that lasted for three, sometimes four days until the course started to smell. Basically, before embalming. <laughs> so there was lots of entertainment, but it was um, it was such a social thing. It was hugely, hugely important, which it still is today, but maybe not as we're not lifting up the bodies. D- Dave, you won't know this, but this is where the original thumbs up from Facebook came from. The, the, <laughs> the Zuckerbergs were on Ackle Island many, many years ago. It gets it gets weirder than that, okay? Give, okay. Us, some, give us some more ones. What was mock marriage? Mock marriage was very, very popular at a wake. So you had um, a guy would dress up in, well they didn't have a dress up outfits like you can order online now to get to be send me over a priest outfit so they would get a thick piece of rope or a some piece of fabric to represent the is the tabernacle that goes around the neck of the priest and he would stand up and decide he would point to people in the audience per se and say right I'm going to marry Mary and Philip over there you're both going to get married and he would perform the full ritual and basically it was a just a, an opportunity for the lads to grab a quick snog to be fair I think no that's way. how it you went. may kiss the bride basically oh yeah but there was all there's what's really funny is that there were priests actually 
in hiding at the time. You know, you have to remember what was going on in Ireland through the centuries with Reformation and Counter-Reformation. And a couple of these, there are accounts of a couple of priests who were hiding in houses and attending wakes, not knowing that they were priests, and then actually performing marriages on these people and revealing afterwards that they were actually officially married. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, that is that's a Chris. That's Inception. That's a Christopher yeah. Nolan film, isn't it? You randomly pointed a fella and you assign him to be the role of the priest. He's already a priest. He knows it. You don't know it, and suddenly you're married. That Absolutely. Is... And he can't reveal himself and say why he won't do it. He has to just go. Fine, I'll do it because I can't tell everyone I'm a priest. Yeah, and you can't even apply for an annulment because not, nothing like that existed. But imagine, imagine that you're the <laughs> casting director, as it were, and you point to this guy and then he suddenly breaks into fluent Latin and you go, I am the best casting director there's ever been in the history of uh, wake games. I do feel um, sorry, though, for the people who just, you know, said to themselves, got up that day and went, I'll go down to Billy Joe's funeral there now because I might get to kiss Mary. That'll be a good old evening now. I'll go down to that. Yeah, oh, go down. Yeah. And all of a sudden turn around and go, no, you're, you're actually genuinely married now. Well, I wasn't going really <laughs> for it. Spin the bottle. I didn't realise. Apparently, Elizabeth <laughs> Taylor went to eight wakes accidentally. People didn't realise that. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned, we. Uh, the reason I wanted to mention mock marriage specifically, because uh, we'll go back to the corpse kind of based humour, because there's yeah. loads of it, Dave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it gets weird in the, the thumbs thing. But sex and mixing of the roles of men and women at the time is really prevalent, isn't it, Mark? Absolutely. There's uh, so much cross-dressing, it's unreal. It was like these fellas just could not wait to put on a skirt. And so there was an awful lot. So there was the dressing up of the priest, obviously. Then there was like ring games where they had to pretend to marry each other and choose a partner. And it was, they were choosing and the girls had no choice. Um, uh, If one guy decided that he wanted to kiss this one girl, they would make up a game nearly to to accost this girl and push her outside with the winning male of these strength games. Push them outside, lock them outside, and he would pretty much get what he wanted. And then who was dressing up? So were the men dressing up as women, women dressing up as men, or was it one direction? Or It was mostly men dressing up as women, just pretending to be a bride and a bit of crack. And a lot of the guys just got kicks out of pretending to be the bride. There's loads of loosely kind of loosely termed under mischief making. They put pepper in tobacco and block chimneys and all sorts of shenanigans. Yeah, like, sorry, can I just pause for a second? Because I think some of our listeners, and I'm here to kind of represent the listeners because I don't know what you guys are, are planning on talking about. But I mean, we kind of know, even as Irish people, and there are lots of people who listen to the podcast who aren't from but even as the Irish people who are listening to this podcast, we know about wakes in a, I think, a very vague kind of way, certainly as a dove anyway, as a very in a very vague kind of way. Why were these lasting for three and four days? Why were they inventing games to stay awake? Why were they not able to like, go home and have a kip and come back tomorrow and pay respects or whatever and why did it end up with thumb games and dress up and kiss your neighbour and just give us an overall picture of the role of the wake and why it was the way it was I think that you have to remember the times that these all started. Again, it was to do with religion. It was to do with what was allowed, what was not allowed. You weren't allowed bury. If you were Catholic, you weren't allowed to be buried in a main graveyard. You were allowed to say prayers at a graveside of your choice. Um, you had to do all that at home before the body would have been taken for burial. It was their way of celebrating the life of the person who had passed 
and everyone was so delighted to be allowed to be openly Catholic and be openly religious. But to stay awake, the young people, these were professional partygoers, let's be real. <laughs> you know, uh, they were brought in from other towns. It'd be like hiring the fella um, in the county club down the road to play for you by a loose link through the townland to get everybody built up. And it, it was only as well for the older people. It wasn't for tragic deaths of, of young people. It's weird because you're talking about um, it, it, you, you being openly Catholic, but these games, they sound much more in keeping with what we were before we were Catholic. I say we as, as in Ireland. Exactly. And that's why the priest was never invited. <laughs> yeah, but is, but is there is there is a kind of usurping of the power of death, isn't there? There's like nothing makes you feel more alive than one causing havoc in the presence of a corpse or, or two, you know, um, trying to get your end away. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, death is the most inevitable thing about life. We're all going to go there. And it wasn't something that people feared like like we do pretty much today. It was something that was discussed on the daily. And I think that's coming back. I, I think people are starting to accept that we all have a way to go. And a wake is a fantastic way to celebrate the person and to have them there in the room with you is even better. So the turf and the throwing of the turf at the, <laughs> at the, at the corpse, this happened, didn't it? Yeah, it was obviously before there was a ban on cutting turf. So, I mean, I think that's a great idea. If somebody is, is nodding off in the corner, you just pick up a bit of turf, lob it across, hits him on the head, he wakes up and, and game on. But that's throwing that at the, one of the party goers, not the yeah. corpse. Well, you could if you wanted to. They didn't mind. The corpse was often taken out of its box slash coffin and brought up for a dance. <laughs> Jesus. It was like yeah. weekend at Bernie's. Like, is- you know... <laughs> This is full weekend at Bernie's or or alternatively, anybody who saw my cha-cha-cha during Dancing with the Stars. Very, very similar. There was a game where they would tie ropes to the corpse and yeah. or sometimes if the, the corpse was tied down at, if, if to stop the kind of rigor mortis and they would either untie it or tie it and it would sit back up in the middle of a Look, in the Jesus middle of a way. Christ. We're very much like him, Dave, yes. Yeah, yeah, you like this. So what they do is, especially if the person had um, arthritis or, you know, they had already, to be fair, been twisted in a way, so they would have to tie them down. And then after a few drinks, a bit of potching, the, the party boys would think, well, do you know what we'll do? We'll just frighten Mary when she comes in. And as Mary walks in the door and walks over to the corpse to, to say, you know, pass on her respects and say, oh, doesn't he look lovely? They would cut the rope. And all of a sudden, he'd come flying up, you know. So. <laughs> I mean, you cannot tell me if you were allowed to do that, Dave, to these days. You wouldn't do it. I'm doing it to you when you die. And I'm going to call it Dave Unmoored. <laughs> it does make me think, though, did the mischief ever get out of hand in the sense that would there ever be people who took the joke the wrong way or didn't like the game or whatever it would be? And then you'd end up in situations where there's 50 cuffs and perhaps even more death. Absolutely. The more fisty cuffs, the better. And there were what happened was if you were lucky enough to have your wake near a big shed or barn, those kind of games would move outside. Often they would carry the corpse over to watch. So there was a great one called the cockfight. And that's two men and they're opposite each other. This is you have to kind of picture this. Their okay. arms are placed up inside their inner thighs, as in you put your two hands down by your knees on the outside, and then you twist them in. Yeah. And in between your thighs, and they're tied by rope. And they're handed really sharp, brittle sticks 
to represent them being cocks. Right. And they just go hell for leather at each and other. And sorry, where, where are the sticks placed? In the hands that are tied between their legs. So they keep so they keep falling over, but this really sharp stick represents <laughs> the cock. So this would go on for until last man standing or last cock standing. Oh my god, this is incredible. Please, please if you're listening to this, do not fast forward because you need to hear context. You do <laughs> You do not do the 30 seconds or 15 seconds forward. And Margaret's gone. That represents the cock until one of them fell over or the cock broke. Last cock standing. Last cock standing. I think if the if the Irish Olympic Council is listening, we have found our new sport. But please, and you it's, know, in, it's in our genes. We will jump on that bandwagon for sure. Absolutely. 100%. Um, <laughs> what was flimsy flamsy? <laughs> Sorry, it sounds like who was flimsy flamsy? Oh, sure, she was Maureen's second cousin. She came down the road that day. She was one, flimsy. Of the, one of the flimsy flamsies from Ballyhawness. Paul Meskel married the youngest one. I thought my surname was bad. Okay, so we have matchmaking again, you know, so it go, all going back to full circle to the kind of sexual elements. And flimsy flamsy, what's your fancy? Is what they would say. Right. So you'd a man on the stool and he's demanding a kiss. And this is going back to the men wanting their kiss. And if refused, two boys who would be dressed in straw for some very strange reason would force the girl to go for the kiss. And then she takes the stool and requests a kiss from the males. So she would get her revenge for flimsy flamsy. What's your fancy? Like this does all sound terribly misogynistic in a lot of ways. Were Absolutely. There, were there ever situations where the women had a bit of power? Like you say, OK, so in this situation, after being forced to kiss toothless Derek from down the road, you then sit on the chair of power and can decide, well, actually, I want to kiss Monkey Paul Masculine's GA shorts or whatever. But like, <laughs> was there, were there ever any situations where women had a bit of power? I think women had the power over the whole wake, as in the organization of it, okay. the morning, the food, the drink. That was their their kind of strong point. The dressing of the body. The laying out, the dressing, the washing. And I mean, that still went on. Our house that we live in here is from the 1700s. And it was used as a wake house until very, very recently, until the 1970s. And the laying out and the dressing was still done in this house. It's interesting you mentioned that as well, because, uh, well, two things. One, you're talking about some of this stuff we're talking about is kind of the 1800s and mm -hmm. before that in penal times. But mm -hmm. off the West Coast, for example, you know, Singh is, was collecting stuff around 1900, wasn't he? Yeah, um, 1907, I think that the Riders to the Sea was produced and that was definitely based around Awake, yeah. And I read one about one in, in Ackle and that was playing the ring game, as you said, and that was mm -hmm. probably 30 or 40 years ago, maybe? And, and those games are still going on. I was speaking to a lady on Sunday and she buried her mother during COVID up in... Um, is it Tory Island up up near off Donegal? Yep. And they actually dug the grave. They prepared the mother, and it was not because of COVID. It was part of tradition. So it's still going on in very, especially the Islanders. The Islanders are alone to themselves, and you have to remember they don't have county council involvement like the mainland, so they can take control. And in some rural areas, they pour whiskey as they dig the grave. They pour whiskey around the rim of it to soak into the soil so that the, the deceased will be able to have a wee dram instead of a mobile phone. You know, you might as well have a whiskey. Well, Dave, you asked about women. I think if when you were in school, if you ever learned anything about Irish wakes, the thing that you learned about that jumps into my head is is women and professional women and professional keeners. And they had some of the most 
uh, influential roles. If somebody's listening to this and they're entirely unfamiliar with this, how would you describe the role of the keener? Well, the keener was a woman who was either hired as in paid or was familiar to the family who came and would come in with this huge outpouring of grief. She was called the Bianchinta, which is the Irish, for, the English translation is loosely keener. That's where it came from. And she would sit at the body and basically wail. She would wail a lament. But they were, they weren't just wails like you could take the piss and do it yourself here and and, and try it. But these were actual laments. These contained stories of the person's life. They contained stories of Ireland history, um, of pagan times, all the way through. And you'd have to be really good at Irish now to be able to translate them. Well, but when you say when you say wailing, yeah. So do you, so it we all have an image, wailing. I suppose, of somebody exactly somebody shouting, but they're shouting words and meaning and things. They're not just sitting there professionally crying. It's a lament. Yes. And it could go on for hours and hours and often days. They take um, payment either in drink and food or in a shilling and would often walk for 10, 20 miles to do this and start in the family home and continue all the way until the the corpse was covered in the ground. But isn't this something that like if you were a a visitor to Ireland, she would be almost otherworldly. They're described as barefoot and disheveled and hair uncombed and, and breasts bared as she's walking around this untamed countryside. Yeah, but as you, the breasts uncovered thing, I I would have my doubts. You have to remember yeah. that these are accounts from travellers. Yeah, um, usually very, very wealthy landover, Protestant landovers who are com- coming over and, and taking documents and sending them back in letters. So I'd have my doubts about the bared breast unless they were actually feeding their own children as they were walking. Which would make sense because you have to remember the Protestant aristocracy did not feed their own children. They had wet nurses. So a bared breast would be, uh, that's my guess. There is no definitive answer to that as far as I can find at the moment anyway. And do you think that our attitude to death, the Irish cultural attitude to death, has remained as involved and fun and mischievous or do you think over time we have kind of gravitated towards the more traditional you know other societies way I mean I'm just thinking now you know all joking aside like you know removals and and funerals are not they're not mischievous until the business is taken care of and then everyone sits down has a few points and shares stories and remembers fondly and they can you know turn into fun events I suppose even though there's they're obviously tinged with huge sadness but do you think our attitude to death has changed dramatically from the period that we're talking about now? I think what happened was with the invention of embalming and the funeral home, um, it started to move away. So undertakers talk of how, you know, people realized there was this service now. It took the pressure off homeowners, especially in small as as rural areas. Are, are It's still very much wake in the home. Whereas in the towns and the big cities, people tend to use the funeral home. My mother, for example, was waked at home, but my brother was brought to a funeral home. So I saw both within a year and a half. And to me, the one at home was a lot more special. No offense to my brother. Um, but there wasn't the space in, in the house that he was living at the time that that could have happened. And also an awful lot of people are dying in respite. And it's difficult to take somebody who you've watched die in respite back home. Um, 
and they maybe not be remembered as who they were as a person. I think there's less sanitization though than in other cultures. Like there, oh God, yeah. I went to a funeral not long ago and the body was in the home and people were sitting around. Now, I think Dave's point is is fairly well made in that it might be prayers or maybe the odd story now. I think there's still stories around. But the corpse is in the room with you and people are remarking on how well or badly the corpse looks. How well it looks, yeah. You know, and that sort of stuff. Um, so some of these traditions hung around. Um, I read somewhere in the research that caning kind of went by the wayside largely after the famine. Is that right? Yeah, um, basically because there we were four million people down. Um, so a lot of the cleaning women had passed on. Um, the, the need to have a, a large wake it was gone. There was no money to do that. There was nowhere to, to bury the people. It was just a complete mess. And it took a long, long time for that to get restored. And it's very, very rare that you will have a keener at a wake now. Extremely rare. I would say possibly the islands would be the only place that you would find them. And that would be very elderly women. And I'm not sure that the tradition will carry down, unfortunately. You could get kind of messages into the keening as well, couldn't you? So you could mm. lament the loss of the person, but you could also throw digs either oh, at, yeah. at, at the corpse mm-hmm. or indeed the corpse's family, Div. It's like some sort of bizarre <laughs> rap battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've yeah, already I mean, mentioned pouring out a little liquor for my homies and pouring the whiskey <laughs> around the rim of the, of the grave. So, yeah, there's definitely some hip-hop similarities happening here. I want an invite to this funeral. I'm just saying it sounds great. <laughs> and if you were in the UK, you kind of need an invite to a funeral. So don't go dying over there. Just remain where you are, dude. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so there were cases of people kind of throwing shade, shall we say, at, at relatives, weren't there? Yeah, there were. And um, th- again, there would be people known in the locality for being the perfect one to start these kind of little digs and build on it and build on it and build on it. But it was expected. So no offense was ever taken. So there was there was a case of one where the the keener's going on there and starts slagging off the corpse for being a bad husband and a bad father and not a provider and all the rest. And then somebody slagging off her, I think her son had died and she slagged off her son-in-law for not being good enough for a daughter. And it strikes me like, you know, the upturning of... Um, social roles like where the for one day a year in other places around the world the joker can become the king and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a venting of maybe societal frustration it does have that hint to it doesn't it where all bets are off for three days and you just have to accept that this chaos is part of the process yeah we were living in times of complete chaos unknown what was happening the lands were being pilfered from us the uncertainty of not knowing what the future was holding in Ireland um, under constraints you're not allowed to speak about things like that so awake where the door closed the turf was thrown the straw for some very strange reason was attached to guys to start fights it just was a way of letting go and if that meant slagging your neighbour bring it on what did the church what did the Catholic church say about it what did they oh, they were not happy not happy at all <laughs> no, no 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 well apart from the one priest that was hiding it suit him pine um, yeah. No, from the 1600s, the Synod of Armagh is fascinating to read. I know this sounds like the most boring thing on earth, but it's <laughs> hilarious when I give you just the snippets. So they these are quotes. So the pious feelings of devout people were outraged by the singing of lewd songs, playing of obscene games 
and um, they banned excess of drink and food and keening. They banned putching. They banned the clergy from going to wakes. It just never stopped, and it goes right up to the you know the the late eighteen hundreds. So brilliant! Like just basically banning all the things, which makes all the people doing them want to do them. Even you want more. it more, don't you? When you're not allowed it, yeah. Terrified having the crack that they couldn't control, basically. And when when the Irish peasantry, who were Catholic, obviously most of the time, and then mad when when a death happened. I think we're the only country in the world where will we go to a wake for a bit of crack. Uh, what yeah. were the Anglo-Irish, so the Protestant aristocracy, the landed gentry, how were they buried? Was it all very Victorian, in, in Victorian terms, you know, straight laced and put them in the ground yeah. and don't say anything about it? Oh, not even in the ground. They went into the vault the family vault, you know, okay. um, the very wealthy went into their vault. Let's be real. There were Protestants who didn't have money and they just had a very somber, recommended by the Church of England service. Um, and as you know, they removed all pomp and ceremony from the church as it is. So their funerals were, were just a lot of hymn singing. And that was it. And there was also you were not allowed to acknowledge that you were grieving. So in some cases, the, there's record of people who are giving drugs to stop them from feeling emotion on the day in case they'd cry or in case they would show any emotion so it was very different and it was all done very quickly within a day or two it's a bit like it is over in the uk now it's very little pomp and ceremony it's mind you it's usually three weeks later four weeks sometimes very very different experience there you go dave i think we both know what we want at our funerals <laughs> we've been trying to figure out how we're going to close some of our live shows and um, i had gotten I had gotten so far as to know that I was going to kill Dave. But (laughs) after that, I thought it might be an anticlimax. But I think his funeral will be absolutely exceptional. We are closing all our live shows with a brittle stick cockfight is how we're doing it. So (laughs) sign me up right now. Frilly Frally, what's your fancy? (laughs) I'm going to shift his family. I'm going to abuse his his brothers and sisters. That's a standard day for you, Neil Delaware, to be fair. (laughs) Oh my God, Margaret, that was absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Oh, you're very welcome. Welcome back to part three of Why Would You Tell Me That? Well, Dave, I knew Margaret was going to be brilliant <laughs> and I explained why you might throw turf for the corpse. Yeah, the thing about Irish people and funerals is like we have a reputation worldwide of being very good at funerals. Mm. I didn't think I'd laugh as much yeah. at funerals <laughs> as I did talking to Margaret, but it's just amazing that it has become such a part of our culture and obviously every culture you know, have, uh, you know, has a a relationship with death and passing and funerals and all that. But I just love the Irish one. I really, really do. Yeah. And it's cool that the, that it's still practiced. Some of those games are still practiced mm. on the islands, as Margaret said. And we should say, if you, like Margaret, want to get in touch and you're an expert in your particular field, because that's the other thing I loved about this episode. We had a listener get in touch. This is a community. This is a community event that we are doing here. Um, get us in, get us in touch with us on all the socials and maybe you could be the expert. Because uh, frankly speaking, it makes it even easier for us to source people. Well, I that's mean, it. I don't know. We're lazy. You might just know of the expert, even if it's like, yeah. you know, even if you know someone who goes, you know, my friend is studying something like Irish funerals or whatever, something strange that you kind of go, that would fit into the lad's wheelhouse. You don't even have to know much about it. 
put us in touch. Let us know who the person is, what they're doing. We'll go and see whether there's an episode in it. But like this is, as Neil says, this is the community of why would you tell me that people we're yeah. all asking the same question. So if you know anybody who you think has the answer, let's get them on the show. Actually, it has happened for next season as well. I can tell you that I'm going to get a wasp expert and I've been reading her book and she's absolutely, absolutely amazing. And it's from a suggestion again. Now, at this point, normally I would say, I'm amazing. I sourced a great expert. What do you got for me next week, Dave? But shin shin. Shin, No next week. Shin shin in Irish means that's that. Yes, we are done for season three. And before we even utter another word, we just want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for the record numbers of people who have tuned into season three. Uh, The podcast is growing all the time. We are so proud of it and so happy that so many of you are enjoying yourselves uh, and tuning in and obviously telling your friends and coming back week after week. So thank you. But that is the end of season three. We'll be back in June with season four. It won't be gone too long. And in between now and June, we'll also put out that amazing live episode we did in Smock Alley with Dear McGavin talking about the uh, the birth of duty free and why there's an Irishman behind the whole way we shop globally and how he's changed the world. And nobody knows who Brendan O'Regan is, uh, but that episode will come out between now and the start of season four. But once again, thank you for listening. Thanks to our friends at ACAST for sorting us out. Thanks to Kyle for all his editing work. And thanks to Neil Delamere for just being a beautiful soul that I stare into his eyes <laughs> through this wonderful computer screens every week. And it's a sheer joy. Thanks to your missus who has taken my microdosing advice that she just, <laughs> it'd be, she basically just puts a little, well, a little, little something, something in your water bottle before every little A little bit of MDMA and I'm just, I'm just loved up. There's no yeah. way around it. Yeah. What, what can I say? I mean, I can see your pupils dilated from here. Um, <laughs> join us for season four and have a great, have a great few weeks off, but come back thirsty for knowledge and we will provide the answers to the questions you didn't know you wanted answered <laughs> bye see you Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 